Welcome to the Insight Podcast. Today, I've invited Jeffrey Boadi onto the show. Jeffrey has a huge following on social media who are enjoying his recipes and lifestyle tips to help them live a healthy and happy life. He's also the founder of The Wealth of Health, a resource aimed at promoting plant-based health, wellness, and performance. We talk about ultra-processed foods and their effect on our health, how discipline and awareness can help us resist the pull of these foods and reclaim our health and vitality, how you can break the cycle of emotional eating, how you can eat more delicious, nutritious, colourful foods, even if you're really pushed for time, and much more. Enjoy the episode. Right, Jeffrey, I want to start with a quote from you to begin with. And that is, you said, get your diet right. It's an act of resistance in a society that pushes you, sorry, that pushes and encourages convenience, which comes at a cost. Take back your actual freedom by finding some discipline and being meticulous in the nutritional area. Can you expand on that a little more for me? Yeah. So I think I've always kind of spoken about the fact that society is very much led towards convenience like the the food environment is very much convenience led get food very quickly it's not it's not really going to be food that's going to be nutritious it's going to be food that tastes really good but what that does is it kind of takes you away from where you actually need to be which is actually to nourish your body which is actually to think about the foods that are you know going to you know because our bodies have nutritional requirements whether we like it or not you know, we've got vitamins and mineral requirements that we actually need. And we're not going to get it from these foods and these places that are kind of very convenience led. So I think it's always about, it's almost about like taking back your, taking back your freedom, essentially, as I mentioned, like, because I think people often maybe don't, they don't realize that actually being disciplined in certain areas of your life does equal freedom because it allows you the choice and full control of what you put into your body, how you treat your body and things like that. And that is true freedom to me. So you know, becoming really conscious of this and conscious of the food that you're putting into your body, conscious of the way that the food environment wants to lead you. And of course, there are certain areas in the world where, you know, some people, unfortunately, socioeconomically, they, they, there's a struggle there. And that is you know, often the, the only, you know, food that they can only get hold of. So I guess I'm probably not speaking towards that. But I think, you know, in, in Western society where, you know, most of us live in, you know, pretty affluent areas and are able to, you know, have access to not numerous different types of food. And if we wanted to cook and actually take control of our nutrition, we could. It's just about getting the mind right and flicking that switch to actually doing that and, and taking back your power as a result. Yeah. I love that. That discipline gives you freedom and it's so true in so many different areas of life, isn't it? And I suppose people can can listen to that message and say, oh, you're, you're missing out and you, you don't get to treat yourself and oh, you're, you're a health freak because you're constantly having all these healthy foods all the time. And it's like, like you said, if, if we're kind of limiting some of these foods, it, it just aligns with our goals so much yeah. better, doesn't it? And, and that is empowering and that just leaves me feeling better. Um, you know, in, in the long term than if I exactly. enjoy those cookies and chocolate of, and, so, and things, which of course I do, but yeah. I know that if I kind of overindulge, which it's so easy to do with those foods that I just feel crap, <laughs> you know, 15 yeah. minutes later, I feel rubbish. And I'm like, why yeah. did I eat that? Exactly that. And what I think is interesting is, you know, as you mentioned where people are, you know, often like, oh, just have that bit of cake or, you know, have some fun. Yeah. 
Like I feel like when you're someone who's dialed in with your health and you enjoy it and you enjoy eating well and cooking foods and training, that is fun. That is yes. fun for me. Do you know what I mean? I really enjoy doing that. I enjoy having that sense of kind of vitality and control yeah. over my day and energy and strength and all these different things that come with adopting a healthy lifestyle. So for me, that is a huge amount of fun. I do understand where people are coming from because I guess previously in you know my early 20s, my version of fun would have been going out and drinking and all that kind of stuff. So I get that. And that was fun back in that moment where I had that mindset. But now where my life is more health focused, I want to maximize my brain health. I want to maximize my longevity and just be the best version of myself that I can possibly be. I think my version of fun is, you know, going to do the cold shower, going to do the sauna, making sure that I'm, you know, eating healthy and meal prep. and, And that's just fun to me. And I really enjoy that. Yeah waking up early for the gym session and it's exactly. like oh, you find that fun really like yeah yeah i do actually <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah exactly priorities change for sure and we all go through that rite of passage um yeah, yeah definitely and and going back to what you said about environment that is mm. so tricky because the environment sets us up to fail doesn't it you know i yeah. go to the, the the petrol station near me which is kind of like one of those like mini supermarkets as well and pay for the petrol in line and just everything that's that's within my hand's reach is not good for me. It's just yeah. the crisps and the chocolate. And of course it's set up like that because they are playing on our what? Like our weaknesses, aren't they? Where they they know. And the amount of times I'm behind someone and they're like, they look over it, they glance once, twice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll just get the packet of minstrels. And you're like, oh no, you didn't need to. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. And I in many ways, I don't actually blame people because the environment no. is it's so hard to navigate. It really is. On every corner, you've got a McDonald's, you've got a Subway, yeah. you, know, you walk past a McDonald's and you get that smell of the fries, which is so good. Like, so, you know, as, and as you say, like even in, not even in just these mini supermarkets, in the larger ones, when you get to the yeah. till, you say you've got the chocolates, you've got the sweets, you've got the crisps. They're strategically positioned there for people to grab and go and almost yeah. not think about it from a conscious standpoint. So it's very, very difficult, which is why, as I said, it, it really does require that level of discipline to just, to just switch off, to just be like, I'm not going to, I know that I, I, w- I would like that in the short term, but it's about delaying your gratification, you yeah. know, putting that to one side and thinking I'm going to delay my gratification and I maybe go, maybe wait till I get home and get a nice nourishing meal or, you know, get a gym session in which is going to make me feel good for the rest of the day with, you know, dopamine levels rising two, three X or whatever it may be. So yeah, it's this, that, that delaying that gratification is so key, but I do accept how difficult it can be. Yeah. And so some of the foods that we've mentioned there that are the easy to reach for foods um, that we need a bit of discipline around are more often than not these ultra processed foods, aren't they? So yeah. what is an ultra processed food? What counts as an ultra processed food? Um, how much of the ad- average person's diet is made up of an ultra processed food? Yeah. And why is this a problem? So the interesting thing about the definition of ultra processed food is that there is um, a scoring system from, I believe it's NOVA. I'm not too sure what the um, what the acronym stands for, but they define ultra processed foods, I believe, as, as foods that have got, I think, added in some, some form of added ingredients in them. But then they, there's other foods which may have like refined sugars, which they don't determine as ultra processed foods. So, for example, th- by their scoring system, tofu is an ultra processed food which for me, I wouldn't agree with. I would say that it's a minimally processed food because mm. you're taking a whole soybean and yes, you're you know forming it into tofu. And you know soy milk is classified as an ultra processed food, but it's you know just soybeans for the most part, spring water, maybe a couple of added ingredients. You've got calcium in there. But I, the way that I see ultra processed foods are foods that have had 
nutrients stripped out of them are very hyper palatable, meaning that they are really, really difficult to moderate in terms of how much you eat of them. If we think about the the amounts that people are eating in society, I believe the statistic around is around 50 to 60% of the diet in the UK compromises of these ultra processed foods. So that is a huge amount. That's a really, really big amount. And <clears throat> if we look at the rising chronic disease rates mm-hmm. in society, particularly Western society and the likes of the UK, US, Australia, it's no surprise because we're eating these foods which are nutrient poor, are calorie rich, and we're having to overconsume. There's a really interesting uh, study that I came across not too long ago from a researcher called Kevin Hall, um, where he was looking at the kind of the impact in ultra processed food in terms of, uh, so he, can, he, did, he had a, two groups where he would feed one group kind of whole foods and then the other group was fed ultra processed foods. And he asked both groups to essentially eat ad libitum, which means eat until you're full. And it took on average, I believe it took the ultra processed food group an average of an extra 600 calories per day for them to feel full. So we can see what, you know, these foods have really, they're really poor in kind of those satiating compounds like fiber and, you know, protein. They're not very high in these nutrients. They're very rich in refined sugars, fat, sodium, and oils. And they're just so hard to, they're so hard to moderate rather, and they're really easy to overconsume. So it's no surprise that, as I said, chronic disease rates are you know skyrocketing because these foods are kind of forming the vast majority of many people's diets. Yeah, so they're f- forming that fifty percent, fifty to sixty percent of people's diets, and downstream of that, leading to these chronic illnesses, yeah. physical and mental health, I believe, are being affected by yeah. ultra processed foods, aren't they? Absolutely. That's why it's so important to address and to and to talk about. Um, it's so tricky, isn't it? Because the They've just they've got world class scientists, you know, designing them to to get the crunch right and the taste right and the texture, the color of the packaging. And so you're competing against that day in day out because, like you said, the the the, the shops, the the fast food chains are like on every corner. Um, it's just everywhere. It's just pervasive in society. And so yeah. how do we how do we conquer that? Because you, you know we we talk about discipline and how it's kind of up to us, but yeah. then at the same time, there's got to be a balance with, well, no, that environment is setting us up to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, many people that are over-consuming these, these, these foods and then um, their health is suffering, maybe they're overweight and, and yeah. things like that. It's, it's very easy to point the finger, isn't it, and say, well, you just need to um, yeah. have more willpower. Um, yeah. So there's got to be a balance. And that, that balance of discipline is something that I find fascinating. And I don't, I don't know where I stand on it. I don't know how to, to, to address it or anything, but I don't know. Have you thought about that as well? Like wh- where is that balance? What, what do we say to people? Yeah. I mean, as I said, I think you're absolutely spot on. It's, it's honest you've got to understand it and look at it from both sides of the argument. I don't yeah. want, I just point the finger at people because I understand mm. how difficult it is. If you take, for example, a family, you know, where there's a single mother of four, for example, or even, yeah. you know, a, a family where the the mother and father are together and they have like four children they're obviously both working jobs they've got to get all the kids to school their their kind of first and foremost priority is focusing on their children and focusing on that and getting to work and getting to work on time and things like that so and then when they get home you know they've got to pick up the kids from school then when they get home from work they're tired they're thinking they need to eat something because they're hungry but do they have the time they want to just get something which is really quick easy and convenient so i completely understand it and you know, there are so many of those similar kind of situations which put p- people on the back foot, essentially. Mm. I do think that, 
you know, it, it, it does, but on, on, on the other hand, come down to, um, you know, kind of time management as well. For, I guess because there, there are a lot of people out there who do have the time, but for whatever reason, you know, struggle with, you know, implementing certain habits. And it's just about prioritization, I think, you know, because I think one, one of the things that uh, I always say, I've said many times, if you offered a pill to everyone and what that would do is it would give them, you know, great blood work, it would give them, you know, great cardiovascular health, you know, really good lean muscle mass, bone density, and all the ro- like markers of really good health and longevity. Everyone would want to take it because everyone wants to be healthy. Everyone would like to be healthy. But I think it's it's then seeing how it works in and around your lifestyle. And it doesn't have to take too much. You know, I don't think people maybe realize that they have to make this huge jump to you know, not doing anything from a health standpoint to eating the healthiest diet on the planet. It doesn't have to be like that. You can literally find, if you find 15 minutes in your, if you're, if you're like, a, you live a sedentary lifestyle, if you find 15 minutes in your day to go for a walk, that's a step forward because yeah. you were doing nothing beforehand. So it's about incrementally just putting those little, those little habits into your day slowly by, you know, slowly, slowly, like, and that's the way that you're actually going to end up building uh, you know, a kind of habit that's going to help, you know, to stick, stick for the long term. essentially. I guess from a dietary standpoint, you don't have to get your entire diet right. It can just be, you know, maybe if you're pressed for time in the morning, make a smoothie, just throw together some really kind of simple, healthy ingredients. And I do think there is so much information out there. Yes, a lot of it's conflicting, but a lot of it is also kind of, you know, people know what healthy foods are, fruits and vegetables, you know, nuts and seeds, you know, get those into a smoothie, for example, with some milk, whether it's you, you drink dairy or whether it's, you know, go for a plant milk. And that can just be a good way to start your day. And then from there, you can start to slowly see what else you can incorporate. And, and I think one of the interesting things is that when people do start implementing these habits at a real kind of micro level, you start to see the benefits, you start to feel the benefits, and then you want to want to actually find more for yourself, you know, find other recipes that you can incorporate into your mm-hmm. lifestyle find other kind of movement habits that you can incorporate daily. It doesn't have to be huge amounts. It could be, you know, there's a a trainer in the U S called Joe Holder who talks about exercise snacks. So like 15 minutes of exercise, that's better than nothing, you know? And if you just kind of dot them in and around your day, like you're going to, you're going to reap those benefits eventually. And it doesn't have to be, as I said, you know, jumping from zero to a hundred, it doesn't have to be something that you have to do right away. It can take one, two, three years. and, And that's where maybe I think people fall off is that they want the results straight away. It's about playing the long game. And when you play the long game, that's when you'll see the results. Yeah, definitely. Just just get started. Just get started. I think James Clear talks oh. about take take that any habit that you you know that you want to implement and break it down to just it, just two minutes, just whatever your new habit you want to start, just try a two-minute version of it and just keep showing up and just be that person that shows up and does it, yeah. just spends the two minutes making a healthy snack, spends two minutes moving your body, spends two minutes learning Spanish, I don't know, whatever it is, but but just turn up and start doing the thing. Well, I'm glad you took this uh, conversation in a more positive direction because maybe I was being a bit, uh, a bit low energy there. So I'm glad you, you started talking about solutions, which is good, and I'm, I'm going to come to that for sure. Yeah. I think solutions are important. I think, you know, there's, yes. there's so, much, so much by the in the way of, you know, people presenting problems, whether it's problems with this food or problems with this yeah. diet or problems with that. And I think the problems and maybe that kind of way of approaching things gets a lot more traction. But I think people want solutions. People are like, okay, if I shouldn't eat these processed foods, how can I incorporate a better lifestyle? What can I do? What steps can I take? You have to give people the tools to actually help with their, you know, with their transformation in that regard. 
Yeah, definitely. Identify your problems, but put your energy into the the solutions. I think Tony Robbins said that. I'm full of quotes today. (laughs) So before we um, talk more about those solutions, and I'm going to come to your some of the amazing looking recipes that you share on on Instagram. Um, But before we get to that, can we talk a little bit about um, emotional eating? Because yes. I think this is kind of linked, and this is another post that you that you shared that that really resonated with me, and I really wanted to talk to you about it because you talked about how um, the post was about how emotions are tied to the food that we eat, mm. and you know certain emotions like sadness, boredom, loneliness, anxiety um, cause us to reach for certain foods, and they're probably most likely those ultra processed, sugary, salty foods, aren't they? Um, I don't know if why is a, a sensible question because that must be kind of, it's, it's hard to understand the, the why, why do we do that? But have you, have you got any thoughts about the why? And have you got any thoughts about how can we break that cycle? Because this is something that I definitely um, experience. I think maybe people might look at me and think that I'm kind of very disciplined and, and, and I don't have any problems with, with this, with, with eating, but actually, um, you know, it can get to the weekend and, across that whole spectrum of emotions, if I'm feeling a little bit low or if I'm feeling a bit bored or even at the other side, if I'm feeling kind of particularly like excited for the weekend and I'm happy, um, I find myself like reaching for a bag of crisps and I, and I can't stop. And I mm. feel like it's definitely an emotional thing. Like I'll buy a big bag of crisps and I can't like eat half and put, put the other half away. I can't buy a box of cookies and eat half and put the rest away. I just like, I don't stop. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, it's a, it's, it's a personal <laughs> request from you as well. Like what's going on here? And is there a way to break that cycle? I think there was um, a really interesting TED talk that I watched quite some time ago by Doug Lyle called The Pleasure Trap. And I think it, uh, from what I remember, I know he discussed like these uh, certain foods and certain habits that we kind of steer or lean towards that help to almost like stimulate pleasure within us. So I think, and when we're emotionally charged, for example, we're always going to want to have those kind of elements, whether it's food or a drink or some kind of like, whether it's even illicit substances that are going to kind of help us to feel good in that moment, in that, in that very kind of short term, you know, that kind of instant gratification. So that's why, you know, people who, when they're, whether it's boredom or loneliness or really happy, you want to kind of accompany that emotion with something that's going to almost heighten that pleasure even more. Right. But the problem with that is that our emotions are literally, we're on an emotional roller coaster every day for the, for the most part, whether it's, you know, you've got work things to deal with, you've got, you know, whether the weather's bad or, you know, you've, you've injured yourself in the gym or whatever it may be. There are certain, there are always going to be things that are going to, you know, just dictate our emotions and how we feel. And most of the time we're not really going to be in control of that. So if we're not going to be in control of the things outside of us that dictate, you know, how we emotionally feel for the most part with, with the majority of people in society, if that then leads to eating, then we're not going to be in control of what we put into our bodies. So which, and that's not really a good place to be. Um, you know, as you mentioned that there, there are these, these, and it, often it's these processed foods, these hyper palatable foods, which taste so good on the palate that we're going to be reaching towards because you'll very rarely, you know, someone's bored and they want to kind of, Feeding oh, grab an apple. Yeah, they're not going to do that. They're not going to go and, you know, grab an apple or, you know, make a nice bowl with tempeh. They're not going to do, <laughs> they're not going to do that, you know? So I think it's really important to really just be conscious of, of those kind of triggers, essentially. Because I think a lot of the time you may find that we've, we've just, for the most part, we're just wanting to have something because of these emotions. And I think this is, someone mentioned actually when I, when I did tweet that, they, they mentioned that's why fasting is a really powerful tool for them. 
Yeah. Because when they fast, they don't actually see if they get these hunger pangs or these kind of, you know, desire for food, they often relate it actually, it's because I feel like this or it's because I've got this emotion or, or that emotion as opposed to actually I'm hungry and I need to, you know, nourish my body. So yeah, I think just bringing awareness and consciousness. And I think this is one of the biggest things in society where, you know, we've gone so far away from where we should be is that, you know, what, something as important as eating food, which is what we do three times a day. It's often, it's, very, it's a very unconscious behavior for so many of us. You know, we maybe not be thinking about the quality of the food that we're putting into our bodies. We're just, we're just doing it. We're just, you know, if we're hungry, we just get something, whether it's on the, on the street or whatever it may be, and just eat it really quickly without actually being conscious of how you feel when you eat these foods as well, how these foods, you know, make you feel on the inside. So yeah, I think just being conscious and just bringing awareness to your feelings around your emotions and food is really important to, to kind of help you kind of navigate that scenario. Mm. Yeah, for sure. The, the, the word awareness was was something coming up for me, and then and then you mentioned it. It does feel like that that is the the key because if you just start noticing, then you're in a much better position, aren't you, to to do exactly. something about it. Yeah. And I've I've heard things around. Yeah, when you when you get that pang, you know, notice it. Maybe even write it down and just just try and pause for five minutes, ten minutes, and you quite often find that it, it goes away, doesn't it? It subsides, yeah. and then you go, oh, okay, and then. I think fasting is something that, you know, I've found to be a useful tool. I, I tried mm. to practice, um, you know, a 12 hour, yeah. something like that, maybe 14 yeah. hours sometimes. And it, I think giving that, just that gate, that just that block of like, oh, if I say, well, I'm not going to eat after seven, then it works really well for me because I'm like, right, I, I'm done now. And whereas mm. other evenings in the past, I might've said, you know, it might've got to 8 PM and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to, just going to have a little bit more peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas now I'm just like, no, no, I'm just going to stick to it. And, and you, you're not as hungry as you think you are. Like we, yeah. we can get by. It's okay. I know it's maybe a bit more complicated than that for different people, but I find that it works well for me and I think yeah. it does for other people. Um, sorry. Go on. Yeah, just touching on that. I think one of the things, one of the really powerful things that we can also do is actually win that battle in the supermarket as well. Because as I mentioned, right. when emotions come to the fore we tend to steer towards the ultra processed foods the crisps sweets the chocolates you know all of these types of foods which we know are really difficult to moderate so actually getting to the supermarket and just not putting them in your trolley is a really good way because it's a lot easier to do that and you know maybe when you're not in that emotion that heightened emotional state where you want to eat those foods if you just avoid picking them up and not having them in your house or really mm -hmm. limiting the amount that you do have in your house that's a really easy way to ensure that when those emotional states potentially do arise, you've not got those foods in and around the house for you to go towards. So that's something else that people can look to adopt as well. Yeah, for sure. So back to solutions, <laughs> because you know, this, this emotion, this part of emotional eating and, and reducing the amount of ultra processed foods that we eat, there are solutions out there. And one of those is to, focus more on whole foods, isn't it? Yeah. And to cook the colorful, filling and nutritious types of recipes that you share on Instagram. Um, I highly recommend that people go and check those out. <laughs> um, what about the people though, that they, they see that and they say, well, I just haven't got time. It, like it looks amazing. I'm sure it's really tasty, but I, I haven't got time. Um, 
I think you mentioned before, you know, that, that family with four children at home and they've just got to get yeah. something down their children before they yeah. go to bed. Yeah. Um, fussy eating, things like that. It, it's all really yeah. tricky. What, what do you yeah. say to people that haven't got the time? I mean, I guess you, you've already mentioned about how just, just get started, you know, spend yeah. 15 minutes or whatever it is, just get started yeah. or focus on one meal a day. It, but yeah. is there anything else that you'd like to, to mention? I always try and caveat, I guess, a lot of the meals that I make with the fact that when I started out as eating plant-based one i wasn't someone who cooked at all i I, mm. I just didn't do any of that stuff but then i realized if i'm going to do this lifestyle well i need to actually cook a lot of food and i've showed a lot of what my recipes and my meals looked like at the start and they were just a bit of a mishmash of things like <laughs> didn't really know what i was doing and then it was just a process of learning and iterating and kind of changing things as i went along and again, I think it's about, I understand like time is, you know, a very valuable resource for so many of us. And a lot of us are very time poor. And I, I completely understand that. There are still ways you can cook very healthy without taking too much time. I put something on my Instagram stories yesterday. I just made this pita with some tempeh, some sauteed veg, uh, some kimchi, which is store-bought. So I just put it in there and some hummus. It took me like 20 minutes to make really wasn't that long. And I think you've got a good blend of protein. You've got some fats in there with the, um, you know, with the hummus, good quality carbohydrates from, you know, your kale and your dark leafy greens, as well as the cabbage. And that was just an easy thing to do. And I, I think it's important to remember for people that you don't have to, you know, be slaving away in the kitchen for 45, 50 minutes. Yeah, there are some recipes that take a lot longer, but there are a lot of other recipes that you can get done in sort of 15 to 20 minutes. Like mm -hmm. that can be really quick. And you can make really large batches of them. So then you can just have them in the fridge there you know, and there. And, and as I say, if you just get started with that process and just see how these foods start to make you feel over the course of a couple of weeks. You know, when I, when I went plant-based, and it wasn't like I ate a really unhealthy diet before. I probably ate a very limited diet in terms of, you know, the, the typical gym diet, you know, chicken breast, sweet potato, broccoli, brown rice, not much diversity. But <laughs> I started really, really reaping benefits within two weeks of just incorporating more plant foods into my diet. And it's, it's so much so that I was, I was kind of just like, I feel incredible. There's no way that I'm not going to continue with this kind of process of exploration. And I just want people just to give it like a couple of weeks just to see how you feel, see how you sleep, see how your mental clarity is. And you, and you might, you might actually end up falling in love with it. Like I never thought I would end up falling in love with cooking, but I did. And here we are. And these are the kind of meals that I like to, you know, show people. And I always, as I said, I always say like, you know, I, I wasn't someone who cooked beforehand. So if I can do it, pretty much anyone can. So yeah, as I said, it's difficult because there are certain circumstances for people which make it really tough time constraints and things like that. Mm. But it's just, just, set a little bit of time. I think we can all find that little bit of time. And even if it's like 20 to 30 minutes over a weekend where you just make a little bit of food, you know, well-balanced food and see how that makes you feel, you will then want to, you will then have more of an impetus to start trying to carve out more time in your day to, to kind of help you kind of push in that direction continually. So yeah, there's, there's, I think, I think we can always find some time from somewhere. Um, it's just about whether we have the kind of the, the, the real, desire to do it i think yeah yeah i don't think we're short of 10 15 20 minute recipes out there you know quick quick recipes that can be put together with very basic ingredients and yeah. not the really fancy things that you have to go to sainsbury's instead of aldi for you know yeah. the, the recipes are out there aren't they and yeah. Yeah. i think 
we're kind of so used to um, like these Michelin star looking dishes on Instagram that we think that that's, that's real life and that's what we have to be cooking every, every day. And it's just actually the reality is if you get some basics, right. If you just have a great curry recipe, a great pasta recipe and a great stir fry recipe, something like that. And you just have those on repeat throughout the week. That's pretty much what I do. And and I feel great from it, and it doesn't take me too much time. Like you said, I, I batch cook a lot, uh, you know, a massive curry or a massive pasta, mm. and it's there for the week. And I know it's got loads of good stuff in there, and it's yeah. just ready at the end of the working day. Um, exactly. But it's just getting those recipes under your belt, I guess, and yeah. and being confident that you can do it. But like you said, just just get started because it yeah. it is so easy, and so many of them. There's just like the the foundational blocks and you start there and then you just throw in a couple of other little veggies or go with yeah. a different bean or whatever. And you just come out with something that you just made up and, and it tastes, tastes great. And it's very nutritious. It's very, very filling. It's very colorful, isn't it? Exactly. That's the thing. I think once you just get that small, even if, as I said, two or three recipes under your belt, what you can do is you can just start to mix and, you know, match around with those ones and just start putting different things in and, Oh, let me try with a sweet potato instead of quinoa or whatever it may yeah. be. And then from there, you can start to almost build your own kind of like repertoire of different recipes and styles of cooking. And again, you don't have to, you know, as you say, there are people, there's so many things that people put out there in terms of these incredible looking dishes and Michelin star and everyone's an expert and whatnot, but just do it in your own way. Find, yeah. find what you like and maybe just use those as a guide to see what you can do. I think that's the best way to look at it. Nice. Yeah. And any other kind of quick wins for for getting more of these whole food plant based ingredients in there? Because we know that more more fiber is good, more whole foods are good. Like no one with this all kinds of diet wars out there, aren't there? But yeah. everyone agrees that more yeah. of these plants is a good thing, and, yeah. and whatever variation that you then have of that, okay, fine. But yeah. it feels like most people need to be eat, should be eating more plants. So how can we do that? I don't know. I'm thinking kind of little ways that we can add them more at breakfast at lunch at dinner snacks like how can we go about this so breakfast is i think for me probably is like the easiest one i think smoothies are a really easy way to get loads of antioxidants tons of fiber nuts and seeds Uh, one of my favorite smoothie recipes at the moment i get frozen berries i get bananas in there hemp seeds walnuts and all my nuts and seeds i buy wholesale which is very cost effective as well and then i might get some like maybe this is more kind of uh, kind of like um, experience level, but I get like, you know, some food powders like Moringa and Chlorella and things like that. But people don't, you don't need to do that. You can just literally have something as simple as banana, blueberries. You can maybe put some oats in there, some nut butter, maybe even some protein powder and some like pumpkin seeds or something. And that's mm. right off the bat. You've got six plants to start your day yeah. with, you know, and you know, lunchtime, one of my favorite recipes is like a lentil bolognese. So just make a standard beef bolognese instead of using beef, you just cook your lentils and then you add them into the bolognese sauce. Then you can add things like spinach and celery and onions and garlic form the basis of pretty much all of my meals as well. They're really great for actually helping to enhance iron absorption as well, which is really good. Um, And yeah, I I I always like making bowls as well. Like some of the bowls that I make where I'll have like a source of plant protein, like a tempeh, good fat sauce with maybe like avocado or something, carbohydrates from, you know, whether it's dark leafy greens and cabbage or some quinoa as well. I might throw in some other bits like some hummus and I just load it up. I just try and get as much color on there as possible, make it look good, make it taste good, get some herbs and spices on there. 
and you've got a ton of different plants that you can incorporate. And I, the, the way I see it with cooking, there's no rules. Like there are no rules at all. You can put whatever you want in there, do whatever you want, whatever you see fit. If you think, you know, you want to put something which might be a bit controversial, but just do it. If you think it's going to taste good, do it, you know? So there's no rules and there's, there's so many ways in which you can just get those extra different plants into your diet. And even something as simple as, you know, you could like roast a ton of vegetables, like some peppers and onion and garlic, and then you can like blend that into a sauce and then you can use that as a pasta sauce. Really easy to just get like four or five vegetables. And that's really probably a good one for parents as well. Cause you know, children can get quite fussy with vegetables, but blending them up and yeah. kind of hiding them almost is really useful. That's a great tip. Such a good tip. And your, I mean, that your, your meal plan for the day sounded pretty much like mine. <laughs> that sounds very similar. I love a lentil yeah. bolognese and that's what I've made very recently. It's, it's so good. Um, yeah. Overnight oats for breakfast, aren't they? They're so yep. easy, aren't they, to chuck a load oh, yeah. of stuff on there and exactly. just, it, it's, it's great. That's another one. If we, if we think about kind of time, you know, overnight oats is perfect. It literally takes three minutes the night before, yeah. get a container, get some oatmeal in there, get some berries, nuts, seeds, protein powder, plant milk, leave that in the fridge. And then you can just literally pick that up the next day without having to make any time and just eat that on the go. And that's a much more nutritious breakfast than going to like a pret or a, you know, Costa coffee and getting yeah. some pastry or something like that. And you've, there's literally been three minutes of time that you've taken the night before. So these are the really kind of quick wins almost, as you mentioned, that you can kind of utilize throughout the day. Yeah, no doubt you'll, you, you'll feel so much better for that morning and you won't have that sugar crash that we all get yeah. if we have a, you know, a exactly. croissant or a, some cocoa pops or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's that. one. Uh, and eating this way, it, it fuels a pretty active lifestyle for you as well. Is that right? Yeah, so I think for me, w when I actually changed over to a plant-based diet from watching What the Health, which is quite quite an interesting thing, is like I always caveat this by saying that you know nutrition documentaries probably aren't the best place to get your information. <laughs> no. Quite biased, although for me that there was enough information for me there to actually to switch overnight, but also go down a rabbit hole of information and scientific research and books and podcasts to to really understand this lifestyle. And I've I'd grown up playing a lot of sport. I played a bit of semi-pro football in the UK and went away to America and Norway and Austria to play as well. So I've always lived a very sport-focused and active lifestyle. So I thought to myself, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to eat this way, I still want it to lend itself to, you know, training and building lean muscle and recovery and performance and things like that. So that was why I was here, you know, I've, I've focused on animal protein my entire life. Let's look at the plant protein. What, what do I need to know? You know, understanding that I need to get a wide variety of plant protein sources across the day to increase, you know, to, to make sure that I get the right amino acid levels. You know, what about my complex carbohydrate sources to fuel mm. training, oatmeal, sweet potato, rice, things like that. Um, you know, recovery techniques, different foods that are going to help with recovery, the likes of blueberries, dark leafy greens for their polyphenol content and antioxidant mm -hmm. content. So I really wanted to just make sure that it was like the healthiest version of this diet because I still train, I still lift weights, I still run, play tennis, started martial arts recently. So I want to just feel fit and strong and healthy and have my dietary habits support that. So yeah, for me, it's, it's definitely been something that, you know, I've, I've not seen any kind of detriment in my kind of training performance output and recovery from living this lifestyle and you know it's been nearly six years now it'll be six years in august so yeah doing pretty well <laughs> yeah <laughs> it feels like the oh you 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 can't build muscle you can't maintain an active lifestyle on a plant-based diet has just been like completely knocked out of the park now like it's just not an argument that can stand the i don't know it just 
it's, it just doesn't work anymore, does it? There's so many plant-based athletes out there that are showing that you can thrive. And I don't, I don't know about you, but, you know, I switched to a plant-based diet about five years ago and I, I find that I just recover so much quicker and mm. I can go to the gym, I can go for a run and, you know, I have a pretty tough workout and the next yeah. day I, I just still feel good. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the biggest change that I noticed. Yeah. And I don't think it's, you know, because a lot of people often, when they see people who go down the, you know, the plant-based route and mm. incorporate that into their athletic kind of, uh, you know, athletic pursuits, they almost see it as like, we're not saying that this is a better lifestyle than eating no. animal products because there are plenty of top level athletes who eat animal products. So they, we're not saying that. But what we're saying is that if this, if this is the way that you want to go down, you can still do it and still lend towards eating well, eating healthy plant-based foods that are going to support your recovery, that are going to support your energy production, building lean muscle, and you're not going to miss out. I think the problem over the years is that I guess people who move towards a vegan diet were doing it more from an ethical standpoint. So maybe yeah. they didn't have a kind of performance lens or kind of anything like that. They were just focusing on, you know, the the well-being of the animals, which of course is a very, very noble cause. But I think that almost led people to looking at people who were vegan and maybe seeing that they were maybe not physically imposing or physically well-built or anything like that. But as you say, that's now changing. You know, the narrative is now shifting um, and we're seeing more and more people kind of showing that you really can put muscle on and be physically, you know, physically fit on a plant-based diet. Yeah, exactly. No, it's a really good point to make and that the, you know, don't let it hold you back because there are still so many people that have said to me or you, or you see it on social media like, no, I can't do that because I won't get enough protein or I, it won't, or I tried it for a couple of weeks and I just felt like I had no energy. Yeah. And of course there are, there are ways to do it and there are ways to not do it, but that's yeah. no, that's no bad reflection of this way of eating that, because, you know, of, of course, any type of diet in inverted commas could be uh, a healthy or an unhealthy version of it. Exactly. There's, there's just ways to optimize, optimize certain things, isn't it? So yeah. it's tricky, but it's not, it's also very simple. <laughs> you know, people ask me, oh, so where do you get your protein? Do you, you know, how many calories are you eating? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, <laughs> I don't know how much protein I'm eating. Yeah. Don't know. Yeah. I don't measure anything. I don't, I don't yeah. take any protein shakes or otherwise I see the, I see why people would. Um, mm. And, and I'm fine. Lift yeah, weights, run, exactly. play football. It's all good. There we go. <laughs> Which I think is, is, yeah, it's just an empowering message. Like that, that yeah, that's what exactly. we want to get out there, isn't it? It's not a, oh, look at me. It's just like, just, it doesn't have to be so complicated. It doesn't have to be expensive. Like you got this. It's, it's simple. It's cheap and you can feel great doing it. Exactly that. Right. Thank you so much for your time, Jeffrey. Again, oh, before I let you go, there's a couple of things. Um, I want to ask you a few questions and then yeah, of course I want to um, let people know where, where they can connect with you and find you. So first of my three questions is what's that one lesson that you wish you'd have been taught when you were younger? Uh, one lesson that I wish I'd been taught. Um, just how, I mean, I would say just how important nutrition is. I think I, I did yeah. grow up, you know, my, my parents were, you know, we didn't eat super unhealthy at all. I think we ate pretty yeah. well. Um, but I think maybe just to learn just how powerful nutrition is for your mental, physical, spiritual well-being, um, it would have been good to know. And what's one habit that I could add to my life that would help me feel great? Taking cold showers every morning. And if you could give everyone in the world one book, what book would you give them? I would give them Man's Search for Meaning. That was a really, really powerful book. So around 20 sort of end of 2021 um i was unfortunately widowed which was you know a really really difficult time in my life um and reading that book really gave me a lot of kind of 
hope in the sense that because it what it does is it detailed um victor frankel's kind of experience in a nazi concentration camp and being kind of exposed to like the lowest level of humanity that you could have ever experienced like feeling just worthless you know having everything stripped from him clothes food family everything gone but still managing to see that there was meaning in his life and that there was purpose in his life so I implore everyone, and not even just if you're going through a hard time, but just to see like, you know, no matter what the obstacle of the situation is that you're facing and that you're experiencing, you still can find meaning and purpose and kind of belief that kind of encapsulates your life. So yeah, so I'd say that book and close second to that is a power, The Power of Now from Eckhart Tolle as well. It's a great book. Cheers for sharing that. And right, people that want to connect with you, find out what, what you're doing, um, where can they find you? Yeah, so most of the stuff that I put around is on my Instagram. So that's just Jeffrey Boydie. So that's my first name and second name. Um, Twitter's the same, just same username, just with an underscore at the end. Um, and I've got my website as well, which is www.thewealthofhealth.co.uk. Um, people can sign up to my newsletter there where I send out sort of bi-weekly newsletters or bi-monthly newsletters rather um, with all things around kind of plant-based nutrition, sleep and other kind of health promoting habits that I feel would be of interest to the community. Yeah. So that's where people can find me. Nice one. Keep up the good work, man. And thank you so much for your time again. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you found my conversation with Jeffrey insightful. Of course, if you did enjoy the episode, please, please share it with friends, family, and colleagues who you think would find it helpful. And you can also support me and the podcast by following and rating the show on whichever app you're listening on. Thank you very much again, and I'm looking forward to bringing you another episode soon.